Welcome, everybody, to the final pick and roll regular season episode of the season here. And happy Easter to everybody that is celebrating. If you guys don't know, we go live with pick and roll for, well, we did it all throughout the regular season. We're going to be doing it next week as well for the play-in games. We have some other great content coming for you guys throughout the playoffs with just educational betting content, free picks like we do on this show. So get subscribed to the board YouTube channel today. And also follow us on Twitter at the board HQ so you can make sure that you stay up to date on everything that is going on with the show throughout the playoffs because it may not necessarily be just your standard live streams on weekdays as it has been throughout the season. And we, yes, we are very much looking to finish strong for the season. I mean, it's been an absolutely sensational season of betting here. We usually start off the show by recapping the plays. Uh, unfortunately for today, uh, the one play from yesterday voided. Both players of the same game parlay uh, sat out for the Orlando Magic against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, not really much we can do to control that. But as I said, the season as a whole has been absolutely outstanding. We'll pull up the bet stamp tracking for the records this season. 129 wins, 97 losses, plus 16.5 units of profit, 6.3% ROI. This is the highest we've ever had the units for this season. So hopefully... With the two picks that we have today, uh, we can get over the line as well with some winners and finish very, very strong here. After the official picks for today's show, me and Pips are going to be doing our NBA award selection. So interested. I'm very interested to see what Pips has. We have not revealed who we have selected to each other as of yet. So you will be getting our real-time reaction. So with that. No recap to be done. So let's get into the official picks for today's show. We're going to put the, the two picks in right away here. We're going to lock them both in so we make sure we get the price before anything may change. And then we are going to uh, get Pips to analyze the picks and tell us why he is going with each of those sides here. So without further ado, some people might think, I mean, I just asked Pips before we went live, is it difficult to find picks at this time? And he said that it is easy when the Houston Rockets are involved. So the first official play is going to be involving those Houston Rockets. And we're going to be taking our man, Alfred Shengun, 12 plus points. And we're putting him with Simi Hailuk, three plus threes, going back to Simi Hailuk. Can't believe we've done two player props with Simi Hailuk. But we're taking him three plus threes from minus 110 at BetMGM. And I actually just noticed the other one moved off of its original price here. So we'll review that. We'll get Pips to review that one. Um, the second play shifted five cents. We'll see uh, if if we can do anything else to to find a different play, if there's a different book, or if that's an acceptable price here. So we'll give that one second here. But um, for the first pick, Rockets and Hornets, we kind of understand who they should be playing at this point. So do you want to go through the first one and then decide for the second one? Or... Uh, yeah, we can go with the first one. I'll just obviously say that Houston Rockets allows still allows the most trees in in the entire league. And if you take a look at the roster construction of the Charlotte Hornets now, we have Mark Williams doesn't shoot trees. We have Dennis Smith Jr. not shooting trees unless it's wide open spot up three. We have Bryce McGowan's also standing in the corner. If he gets the wide open three, he'll shoot it. JT Thor, not a great three-point shooter. So if you take a look at the entire roster, it's 
down to see my Kyle to, to shoot trees. And against the Rockets, he should get plenty of opportunities. And it's not like he's he's on the on the tier right now, but I don't think Houston Rockets will give him much more attention because of it. I think this is a game just a game where no one will do anything extraordinary. So they will stick to their game plans and get the game done. And yeah, I just think I think we saw the last couple of games against the Raptors. He had very difficult matchup because they were focusing on him. First game they haven't, and he scored five threes. Next game they did some pressure on him, and they had OG on him and a couple of difficult matchups. And usually Raptors run people off the three-point line because they show at the line, and he still scored three. Threes on eight attempts. And yeah, I just think against the Rockets, uh, with him shooting so hard, I think he should be able to get his shots. I would expect him to get eight to ten shots. And with his uh, with his efficiency, that should be enough to score three to from three to five threes. So yeah, that's the case part for him. The other part is Alper and Shangun. I love Mark Williams and his defense, but they are not helping him inside much. And I don't think he has what it takes to defend Alpi. Alpi, last couple of games, just played amazing. Even even against the Lakers and Anthony Davis, he scored 18 points last game against the Denver Nuggets. 20 points against Nikola Jokic. That's not a difficult matchup, but still, he didn't get into the foul trouble against the Nikola Jokic. And when he gets the minutes, he usually scores over this line. He had 21 against Claxton in Nets. He had 15 against the Detroit Pistons. And that's interesting to have 15 against the Pistons because Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were like scoring like whatever they want, getting whatever they want. And they still get got Alpi to score 15 points. So yeah, I expect a bit more usage tonight for for Alpi, especially if Dennis Smith Jr. is playing, one of the best best backcourt defenders in the league. He approves some pressure. Mark Williams will maybe go up to the level of the screen on Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. So Alpi should have open lanes and post ups and everything. So I think this bet is like pretty pretty safe bet for 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 a slate like this, the slate that we have tonight. Yeah, yeah. With these two teams, I mean, Charlotte, <laughs> with all due respect, Charlotte, I don't think can really do anything less to this roster. So I, I don't think we're in really any any sort of jeopardy for for play time here. Sweeney Hyluke, maybe er, at, at this point for guys' motivation, like Sweeney Hyluke earning himself his next NBA contract right now. So uh, we can certainly, well, we can't certainly say, but we can expect him to really want to show out here. And as you were mentioning, and we've said so many times this season, Rockets give up the most threes. So Simi Hylik should have some success there. So uh, anything on the second play that you want to amend, anything you want to change, or what What, what do you think we should do here? Yeah, I just, uh, unfortunately, uh, alternative lines for for assists are not up on MGM, which is kind of weird because they usually have, have it up the same way as the... Drafting. The same way as the DraftKings, they usually just have they release their lines uh, after 
DraftKings and they copy most of it. And I think we can go into discussion and maybe just check out at the end of the stream. It did uh, MGM added the assist lines. Okay. Uh, why don't we uh, let people know what it is just so uh, they can also check in and maybe keep us informed on that. And uh, we'll say yeah. this one, uh, we want it at minus 20. It shifted to minus 125. So uh, the second play hopefully is going to be Jaden Ivey over five and a half assists paired with James Wiseman over 11 and a half points for minus 120 odds. It's in the Pistons game at the Pacers. Uh, within minutes, like we, we, we get the show started as quickly as possible. We didn't even do a recap today and it shifted off to minus 125, unfortunately. So uh, hopefully we can get that open at BetMGM and get that for minus 120 or hopefully it can move back on DraftKings, which it does at times. So we will see on that. But instead of waiting, we're going to see at the end of the show. So stick around for the end of the show so we can hopefully get that second pick in. For the time being, we're going to go to our discussion piece. We're going to be talking about our NBA awards predictions. We're doing the MVP, DPOI, Sixth Man of the Year, MIP, and the Rookie of the Year. So we kind of gave it away yesterday when we did our All-NBA selections. By the way, guys, we're going to clip the All-NBA talk we did yesterday and make it a video. If you haven't uh, caught that yet, it'll be out at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. But Pips, the tough decision. Who is your pick for MVP this season in the NBA? Yeah, it's difficult because it's three-way street, not two-way as everyone's saying. That's true. I think, yeah, I think well-deserved. All three, if you choose any of it, you are not wrong. It's, it's subjective, and I think everyone can have arguments for all three. I'll go and say that uh, my pick is Joel Embiid. I will have, I have more like difficult choice between Giannis and Jokic for second place, but I'll just go and say Joel Embiid for the first one. If you take a look at the offense, best offense is Nikola Jokic. Best defense, I think people have it wrong this season, but I will say for defensive side, I will have Joel Embiid tied with Giannis. And I'm not saying Giannis had a poor year. I mean, he had a down year on defensive end. I'll say that. I watched a lot of games and he made, made some mistakes on defensive end that usually are not happening. And he, even with those mistakes, he's still top five defensive players in the league. I just think Joel Embiid got there this season. Last couple of weeks, when he was logged in, he was defending awesome. He was great, great inside. And don't we should just take, take into account that Giannis is playing all-ball defense, staying on the worst opposing wing player, and he's helping off him inside while having best point of attack defender, defensive player, maybe one of the best ever in Drew Holiday. And he has Brook Lopez and drop coverage, probably like top three defensive player of the year candidates. So he's playing with all-time great defensive players. And, of course, he, he will have great numbers and he'll look great, even though he's great. Like, But he's great as a weak side defender and off-ball defender. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's there's huge difference that, that we can say, like, okay, we have clearly Jokic for offense and clearly Giannis for defense. I'll say it's closer, close with between Embiid and... Giannis on defense, 
And I think Embiid is better on offense this season, at least more efficient. Giannis had a very down year with efficiency this season. So I'll go say like it's Jokic is slightly better on offense than Embiid is, but Embiid is way better on defense than Jokic is. And also have in mind that Embiid is playing defense with backcourt of Tyrese Maxey and James Harden and Tobias Harris Harris. involved. Yeah. Yeah. And they have almost the same defensive rating as Bucks with all-time great defensive players. So I'll just say, like, my pick is for sure Joel Embiid. Okay, makes sense. Um, I personally don't really see it as the three-horse race. I think if Giannis won it, I, I, I really do believe Jokic and Embiid should get it over him. Not that I like we're, we're splitting hairs, of course, with this discussion, but it could go to me. It should go to either Embiid or Jokic. I very slightly lean Embiid. You kind of highlighted the reasons why, so I agree with you on this one. That uh, I think Jokic's defense has been poor enough this season that I, you can't overlook it when you're comparing him to as, as in as tight of a race as the one he is currently in with Joel Embiid. And the way Joel Embiid has finished his season as well has really, I think, cemented his spot there. Interesting to me, I don't know if you've looked at the odds, but I have futures odds for all these up. Uh, Jokic, uh, sorry, uh, Embiid has moved into a minus 1,000 favorite to win the MVP. I believe just a few days ago, it was pretty much tied, but Embiid has moved to minus 1,000 favorite. You can get Giannis and Jokic for plus 1,200. This is at FanDuel. Uh, I looked around. I didn't see any better prices on Giannis yeah, or Jokic. It's, it's the same on DraftKings and, and BetMGM. So this is... Uh, personally, I don't think Jokic will win, but I also don't think he should be at plus 1,200. Um, this is way too steep a price considering how tight this race is. What do, what do you think about these odds? I think uh, Joel Embiid will win it, and but it will be close. And yeah, this is just the narrative's movement on the lines. I agree. Um, personally, I took a pop at Jokic at this price. I don't think he'll win, but plus twelve hundred for a race that I think is like. Do you think he has ten percent chance to win it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Actually, let's let's actually check the percentage on on this you said it, it's so they're implying a probability of 7.69 percent yeah. that Jokic yeah. wins I would give his chances in the 40s at the minimum they're giving they're giving Embiid a 91 percent chance of winning this award with these odds and I, I'll put it flat like out incorrect 70, yeah I will put it like 70 30 for Embiid yeah. and even still that's a massive edge on Jokic so um, something to to take note of. Uh, that's that's just an insane price at plus twelve hundred. All right, let's move to the next award. We're going to talk about the defensive player of the year. Uh, this is another one kind of spoiled from our All NBA show from yesterday. But Pips, your DPOI, and why do you pick that player? I'm um, on it <laughs> the entire year. And- yeah, it, it 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 it's it's Jaren Jackson Jr. for me, but personally, mm-hmm. he he got his minute up. The his the reason people were shutting him down is his minutes. Yeah, on the season he's playing only twenty eight and a half minutes a game, but since the All Star, he moved up to upper thirty, almost thirty one minutes a game. Production 
still same, only better on offense. And yeah, I think having the second best defensive rating while playing at Miami, at Memphis Grizzlies. So he's not playing with Drew Holiday and Giannis or Drew Holiday and Brook Lopez. And still amazing. I mean, like he has on the side starting lineup John Morant as a point of attack sometimes. <laughs> That's crazy. Not great. Uh, yeah, Dylan Brooks is great on defense. Uh, but lately, they, they, their defensive rating remains the same. And uh, Steven Adams is out. Dylan Brooks missed some games. Then Desmond Bain missed some games. So, yeah, they had so many problems throughout the season and they still remain top defensive rating, second best defensive rating in the league while playing at such a high pace, which is more difficult. Like, this is this is the thing. Like, uh, pace is accounted in defensive rating, but it's more difficult to play good defense on a higher pace because there is a lot of transition defense and that's, that's higher to defend. That's more difficult to defend than half court defense, uh, half court defense. So I will say, yeah, it's taken into account that Cleveland Calories have the lowest pace in the league, and Memphis has the highest pace in the league, and they have only 0.03 difference on defensive rating. And I will say, like for me, Memphis Grizzlies has the best, the best, the best defensive rating in the league. Even though the stats doesn't say it, don't say it, but I think the the best defensive player on a team with best defensive rating, and he's such a before he got uh, back from the injury, Memphis had 25th defensive rating in the league. So they went from 25th to the first defensive rating when he came back, and that's I was going to make that exact. I was going to make that exact point, which would also indicate. Which would also indicate that I'm going to be going with Jaron Jackson Jr. Also. If you take a look, one key thing, uh, if you take a look, the game Jokic played against the Memphis Grizzlies and he was guarded by Jaron Jackson Jr. single coverage. And we take a look at Jokic against the Brook Lopez single coverage. Jokic couldn't do anything. Like uh, It's difficult to say, but I watched the game and Jokic had so much... He had troubles to even get the ball into the position because how long the, uh, the, the hands of Jaren Jackson are. He was just denying him the ball, the entry pass. He was running around. And he held Jokic under 20 points in a game that Denver lost. And while on the other side, Jokic scored easy, easily 30 points against Brook Lopez in, in three quarters in a blowout. So not huge, but... Like he's great help defender and he's winning Driavar as great help defender. But when he had the chance to defend best players in single coverage as one-on-one defense, he was also amazing. And the thing is, Drew uh, back system, defensive scheme as playing uh, Lopez in deep drop coverage with Drew Holiday as a point of attack defender and Giannis as a helper helps a ton his numbers. While Jaren Jackson Jr. is just smashing everyone around, and it's way more difficult for him to play the way he's playing on defense, and puts him in way more foul trouble situation because he's coming from the weak side, uh, protecting the rim, which is very difficult than just popping back in pick and roll and just 
being like this. And I mean, he's amazing at it. He's one of the best, probably the best as at at the drop defense. I'll put some names inside next to draw to Lopez, but he's probably the best, especially this season. But it's the best difficult. It's the best scheme for him to play on. So yeah, I think the the Jan Jackson Jr. is very more versatile. He can play four and be a great 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 helper. He can play at five switch. Blitz, drop coverage, everything. And yeah, I just think for me, Jaren Jackson Jr. is the defensive player of the year this season. Yeah, even with the less minutes, nobody defends the rim like Jaren Jackson Jr. And I would take him <laughs> in those minutes, those less minutes over Brook Lopez. Not that Brook Lopez isn't a good defender, of course. And the foul trouble doesn't come from Jaren Jackson's rim protection. It comes from yeah, but also the, the think- stupid reach and stuff that he does. Yeah, so one another thing. Lopez is playing only thirty minutes a game, so it's two minutes difference. Yeah, that's it's not that two, much more. Yeah, is it? so yeah, that's that's irrelevant. So Jaron Jackson for us is the defensive player of the year. The market, I, I kind of agree with the way it's shaped right now. I can see Lopez getting it. Uh, we have Jaron Jackson minus one sixty five, Lopez plus one thirty five, and the third place is Bam at plus forty five hundred. So it's firmly a two horse race here on FanDuel. Let's go now into the sixth man of the year discussion. This one this most interesting little, one. This could be, yeah, this could be a little bit more polarizing here. I think this is uh other than MVP, the the biggest debate. The odds wouldn't say that, but who is your sixth man of the year pick and why? I think the one that deserves the, the award, if you look at everything, it's Malcolm Brogdon. The one I would like to win it, it's Emmanuel Quickly. Got like, I think that's that's fair. Um, why don't I show you the odds here? I, I was personally shocked when I saw this this morning. Uh, Emmanuel quickly is minus 310 to win the sixth man of the year on FanDuel. Malcolm Brogdon is plus 230. Third place is Bob Porter is plus 6,500. 6, so it's a two-horse race here. Um, yeah, I was incredibly shocked here. Um, if you have access to Canby books like Bet Rivers, I think Barstool, you can get Brogdon at plus 250 as well here uh for best price but yeah i i can't believe how much i think i'll explain it in like 15 to 20 seconds so first off brogdon has averaged more points more rebounds more assists on higher usage on on lower minutes and higher weather efficiency way better efficiency and lower minutes and he didn't start a single game this season while quickly pumped up his number of, in start. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I genuinely could not believe this. So my pick, uh, I can't believe it because I also chose Brogdon here. Genuinely could not believe my eyes at these numbers. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon this season is shooting 48% from the field, uh, forty almost 45% from three. Uh, averaging 14.9 points per game and quickly is around the same for points per game uh, assists and assists and rebounds are also quite similar here, but the efficiency and which Brogdon is playing like this, the impact that he is having on this Celtics team, like he is exactly what this team needs. I mean, you could say the same for Emmanuel quickly. I'm not saying he's not a good six man or anything, but I, I think Brogdon has just been at a, a different level then Emmanuel quickly from managing the bench and what he brings to the team in general quickly is having a phenomenal season, but 
I, I just think Brogdon has been the better six man here. So I, I am firmly shocked at these these odds here. I've also taken a that Brogdon number at plus two fifty because I just feel like I, I just don't think this is the correct price on, on this one. What do you think? I think it's the the, the price is reflecting the the narratives and the, what people would like more for for whoever to win. And I think the Knicks having any anyone contending for anything is a huge edge for people for that that vote. I think mm-hmm. everyone is like in, into Knicks favors and the market and everything. So I think while while we have everything on the Brogdon side, I won't be surprised if they vote out quickly as a winner. I agree. But- this is a good this sorry, this is a good comment here from from Aaron Campbell. He says a lot of these writers are publicly behind uh Emmanuel quickly, which is shaping the market pretty hard. I agree, like guys like like Zach Lowe, Chris Herring, guys like at ESPN the Athletic shape the markets a bit. I think a lot of the times though. I think sports books fail to pick up on a lot of those things. I'll give an example. Last year, I felt like Scotty Barnes picked up. Like, I'm not just trying to brag. Like I, I had Scott. I bet Scotty Barnes after the season to win Rookie of the Year. He was he was a big underdog to Evan Mobley, and ESPN analysts and athletic guys, like guys who actually have votes, were really starting to get on the Scotty Barnes hype. So I felt like it wasn't interpreted enough. And I think for Jokic in this scenario. There's a lot of people still betting Jokic or picking Jokic in a recent. So Tim Bontemps ESPN does a straw poll where he gets a lot of actual voters to vote on their award winners and or for MVP. And it was split like exactly pretty much on Jokic and Embiid. And since then, Embiid has sat out against the Nuggets, which people are people are taking that into account. I don't think it should count very much, but people are. And since then, Jokic obviously had that 50-point game against the Boston Celtics, which changes things. But um, maybe that's the case with this quickly vote. But I very much feel as though sportsbooks sometimes don't take that information into account, which is a bit of a handicap I think you could use in the future here. But uh, yeah, you, you, you think, do you think minus 310 on quickly is, is where the market should be at this point? I would say market should be at probably, I'll say plus 120, 130 on quickly. I'll say Brogdon should be slight favorite, even though if you look at the numbers and everything, he should be heavily favorite. Yeah, that's I just say, Emmanuel quickly uh, off the bench. Uh, so I, as a sixth man, average 12 points a game. And he started 20 games, this is 19 games this season, and averaged 40 minutes in 19 starts. Mm-hmm. And in those 40 minutes, he averaged 22 points. And that's what moves his numbers up. So when he is six, it should be a, it should be a Malcolm Brogdon didn't start a single game this season. He's playing true six man role. Yeah. And I think. A bit of this is ruined by Tyler Hero being sixth man of the year while playing 32 minutes a game and starting whenever anyone was out. So I kind of think we should be more like trying to explain what the sixth man award is for and what should it be. Like you could actually have players starting 40 games and going on the bench 42 games and average 33 minutes and we could be like, is it Skia sixth man of the year? Right. It should be some some standards here. 
Well, I, I wouldn't. I don't want to punish quickly for starting those games yeah. when, like, like, hey, he's the sixth best player. When a guy is injured, he's going to start. Like for the team's sake, that shouldn't punish him for this. But if you're going to factor in, hey, when he did come off the bench, he averaged twelve. Meanwhile, Brogdon has come off the bench every single game is averaging fifteen. Like, I, I think it's. I think this is, should be pretty open shut that Malcolm Brogdon is the sixth man of the year, but the sports books are not reflecting I, I think that. Maybe a part of it is quickly is up and coming player that's playing the sixth man role, but Malcolm there, it, it's is, it's strong is narrative based. Starter. Yeah, yeah. As uh, Showtime's and uh, also the is saying, recently buying to the narrative play into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Malcolm Brogdon is like rookie of the year and all the good stuff behind him, so. People love the underdog, uh, underdog in here, and backing up quickly makes sense in that situation. I feel like I really feel like for these award votes and like NBA draft vote or NBA draft, when you're betting on awards and betting on the draft, I feel like the inform. Like, I, I do feel like they they take recency bias and they take narrative into account too much as projects. I, I really feel as though, and I've done this for years with with NBA draft in particular. The information is out there. You can really get a sense of what a team is looking for and who they want in the draft just by listening to people who have more information than you, kind of doing your own analysis on what the type of player is. And for for these award voting, I really feel like you can find some edges just by accessing that information that legitimate voters into the awards are putting out there. So um, that that one... Still strange to me, but let's move on now. Uh, are you picking Brogdon for your sixth man? Would you, is that your pick? Yeah, as I said, I'll pick Brogdon. I think he should win, and but I would love it for quickly because I will love him as a player. Okay. So. so let's move now into the MIP voting. Uh, it is another two-horse race here, but uh, Lowry Markkinen is the favorite. Shea Gilles-Alexander on his tail. Pibs, who is your selection for MIP? I love Lowry Markkinen, but I will go with Shea. Okay. So this is the first time we're going to disagree. So why don't you go first? Shea is playing on terrible offensive roster. No, like, legit lack of shooting. Maybe the worst shooting in the entire league. They don't have anyone that can shoot the ball, even included Shea. So no one that that team is able to shoot. And Shea is drive heavy, drive heavy guard, and he's having all-time great numbers on a team that doesn't fit him at all. He doesn't fit great on that team. He's just killing everyone, and he took a huge step. So he went from twenty-four and a half points to thirty-one and a half points. That's seven points upward. Also, and it's efficient. more difficult to go that far upward when you're already in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. And also, his efficiency skyrocketed while moving up seven points a game. Like, usually players, when, when they have such a huge increase, like, they, the efficiency drop. His efficiency increased, and not by slight, but huge increase. Last season, he, had, he was 55% through shooting. Below league average this season he's an almost 63 percent 63 percent on 31 and a half points is unbelievable all-time great deserving maybe even 
first all NBA team. That's, that's where I had him yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. And I just can't have Lowry Markkanen, which I absolutely love Lowry Markkanen, everything he did this season. But the way Shea playing and he played, and he actually was holding this poor roster, and they will probably make the plane. Before the season, everyone's thinking, okay, they are thinking they will be probably dead last when there is Chet uh, news that he's out. Everyone was thinking, like, there will be, like, poor Houston Rockets and Thunders at the bottom of the Western Conference. And for them, being that competitive and winning so many games, and it's everything led by Shea being amazing. Uh, I just think the this is a bigger step uh, that Shea took than Lowry took. Lowry took amazing step, but he he was just just underutilized in the NBA and the way he's playing with his country and in Europe and in competitions. We all everyone from Europe and everyone that knows Lowry Markkanen knew that he could do it, mm. not at this rate, but I think the the so I, I'm just trying to explain. So the, my opinion on Lowry Markkanen and what he's able to do, he showed me that he can do it better. But I think the difference between my plateau and the plateau of Shea and moving up is bigger. This is very interesting because I pick Markkanen for the exact same reason. Because I, not just because I'm Canadian and Shea is Canadian, I have, I felt last year like Shea was a superstar already. And he's just elevated that to a different level. So I am in the exact same boat, but I, because I think Shea was already really good. Now he's just showing me a new level. Whereas Markkinen went from like a fourth option. He was in the Isaac Okoro role last season for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I have him in my all NBA team this season. So he went from a role player to all NBA. Whereas for me, Shea went from like at the very minimum, a star to a superstar like you know obviously that's impressive like like if this is a pretty tight race here as we see from the odds you know the odds don't really show it it's minus 250 on marketing plus 200 yeah. on Shea at FanDuel but yeah I think, I, I think marketing's jump is more significant that's why I take him I think this is a narrative thing because you remember Lowry marketing as the part of Cleveland Cavaliers but if you take a look at who was Lowry marketing like second year he was averaging 19 points with the Bulls. And he That's was true. that option. And then he they gave they gave up on him. He had terrible coaches and they just didn't put him in good spaces places to succeed. And then he was like, okay, guy, some part of the rotational guy. And then he moved to the Cleveland Cavaliers and they already had their guys and they put him in the search for three option and he was okay, I'll play it. But Everyone that watched Aero basketball this season, Lowry Markkanen is a remarkable scorer. He put 45 points on my Croatian national team, looking so effortless. We threw everything, even like everything, sink at Lowry Markkanen and still, he still scored 45 points. And he was doing, I think he averaged over 30 points on Aero basket. That's just, and that's in Europe. More better defense, not better, more difficult to score, lower minutes, and he was just killing it in high high level competition. 
I'm not saying that I, I have a narrative because Eurobasket, but I'm watching him so many times playing in Europe. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, you, your perception of marketing was higher than others, so this isn't as yeah. surprising yeah. as it is to me. I, I just, I, I just kind of feel like that about Shea. Coaching uh, at the Bulls. Oh, it's, it's I, I was so furious with the way they were using him. Then he moved to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They put him in the same role. And I see, I think, just think he was underutilized. I can, I think, Lauri Markkanen, like, had a huge step, but I expected him to be better in, in recent teams. And yeah, I just think he, he was, he was, he took the step up, but I think he was a bit lower than he should be at the first place. I remember the coach. It was, uh, it was Jim Boylan. That was the yeah. coach at the time. One of the yeah. worst coaches ever in the NBA. Although I, this is interesting because like obviously he did like the 19 points per game second season, not like anywhere near as efficient as this season, where he's shooting 50, 50 and 39 from the field. Near he's almost at 50, 40, 90. He's at he's at 49.9, 39, 88. Um and last season he was 45, 36, and 87 on 15 points per game. So I, I just feel like that jump from like almost a role player to this is just too much for me. But uh, hey, if Shea wins it, it's not like I'd be uh, exceptionally surprised. All right. So uh, interesting that we see the same argument, but on both sides. That That's uh, that's interesting. Let's go to the rookie of the year. So Bancaro has long been the favorite. There's been a late push here by J-Dub, Jalen Williams. Do you think the late push is enough to take away Bancaro's rookie of the year? I don't think it's even close, for, unfortunately, because I think Dylan Williams had maybe even I had a great season. And oh, I think outstanding. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think it's the numbers. You look at the numbers and you see Bancaro with 20 points average, seven rebounds, almost four assists. No matter, like, the moving movement for he for his size unbelievable i am not i hate his stubbornness and tunnel vision but that will improve and he's unbelievable prospect in this league and yeah jw is great but if it look at the season if you need a third option or fourth option you are probably going with jw but if you need to develop a first option, it's Bancaro by far. And I think people will vote for it easily. And it will be probably the easiest, the, the highest difference uh, in for, between first and second place of the entire February award. So it's it's the easiest one. It, it's it's a fun, you know, it's a fun debate, Jalen Williams, because he's had such a good like second half of the season in particular, but like the reality is, Bancaro's averaging 20 a game. Jalen Williams is averaging 14 a game. Uh, obviously, much more efficient from Jalen Williams, but he's not being tasked with being like the focal point of an offense like Bancaro is. The odds reflect this. Bancaro is minus 10,000 on BetMGM. Jalen Williams is plus 2,000. It's, yeah, if it's rookie of the year, it's Bancaro. If it's rookie of the like last three months, then it's probably Jalen Williams. But uh, Bancaro has just been a little bit overlooked because he's playing with Orlando. Orlando haven't gotten nearly as much coverage in the second half of the season, but he's just been humming along with his 20 points per game. And I think that is more than enough to win the rookie 
of the year. So those are our uh, picks for the NBA awards. I'll flash up a graphic that I have put up here where you see our picks. Pips, if you want to look over that uh, Pistons bet, see if there's anything we can do for a second official play, uh, go ahead and do that as I... take a look at the bet, MGM. Can you take a look at the DraftKings price? Yes. uh, I believe it is still the same. I have not seen the alternate odds uh, being posted for the assists. Yeah, DraftKings still the same. Uh, 125. Have a look at MGM. If we have to, we can stick with the one official play. Or if you want to take the five cents, that's okay as well. But uh, as far as our, while you look at that, as far as our NBA award predictions go, uh, we have made our selections. So we'll pull them up here. I have gone with Joel Embiid as my MVP, uh, as has Pips. We both have gone with Jaron Jackson as our DPOI. We both have selected Brogdon as our sixth man. MIP is the only one where we differ. I am going with Markinen and Pips is going with Shea. And interestingly, we had the same argument for both. We perceive the other, the opposition to be better than maybe others. That's why we don't see the jump as big. So interesting. Pips more, uh, I guess, attuned to Markinen from, from his European days. Uh, me, I've just been super high on Shea for a while now. Uh, and the rookie of the year, no contest. We think that's the biggest gap. It is Bancaro as a rookie of the year over J dub. So let us know in the chat. If you have any disagreements with our picks, uh, let us know in the chat as well. If you agree with any of our picks, and if you think you're going to be taking any of the numbers that I was talking about there, plus 250 on Brogdon for six men and plus 1200 on Jokic, nine, a 7.8% implied probability on Jokic to win MVP is just absolutely absurd. So um, no full unit on that, but maybe a little bit of extra change. If you've got a free bet lined up at any of your sports books, that I think is a very good stab to take. All right. Do we have a verdict here on anything we can do? I just need uh, one second. Need to just. No problem. <laughs> Froze at the right time. <laughs> Froze, as he said, uh, I just did take a second. Okay. Uh, we'll give yeah, him. Sorry. I, I need to turn on my VPN just for everyone. <laughs> that, oh, that, okay. That, I see. Okay. That's that's why why I so, yeah. So I can open up the the DraftKings. <laughs> so I can't use it in Europe without the. the yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I, I have, I, I myself have a VPN for some American books for, uh, for some content here. So uh, makes it completely makes sense. Um, let me read the chat here. Uh, uh, let's, this... do let's do it like this. So we okay. are not we are shifting for from Weizmann to Benedict Maturin over 16 and a half points. Okay, so it is going to be Jaden Ivy uh, over five and a half assists and Benedict Maturin over 16 and a half points. That is going to be the official play here. Let me get the graphic ready. Minus 110 at DraftKings. Minus 110 oh. at DraftKings. Uh, yeah, feel free to go into it here as I get the graphic up. I have it ready here. I'll just check the yeah. Yeah, I mean, Madurin had some divs, weird uh, games uh, late into the season, so he disappeared entirely for two games. A game against Boston Celtics, he had four field goal attempts in five, 25 minutes. Next game against the Hawks. Four field goal attempts in 25 minutes. So he attempted four field goal attempts in two straight games, scored two points and four points. 
And I was like, what's going on with Mellerin? He was so aggressive the entire, the entire season. Weird, totally like playing against the Hawks, worst defensive team, one of the worst defensive teams, high-paced game that suits him great. He scored four points in 25 minutes. But then probably someone spoke with him and explained to him that it's the late game of the, it's the late game of the season, and they want him to play like the first option so they can just try him as the first scoring option. How he'll manage to do it? In the next game, he scored 26 points against the Dallas Mavericks. Game after that, 29 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. Then another weird game against the Thunders, eight field goal attempts, first 19 and 21 field goal attempts against Mavericks and Bucks, then again back to eight field goal attempts against the Thunder, scored 15 points, and the last two games had 19 points against the Cleveland Cavaliers and 17 points against the New York Knicks. So over the last five games, he had 26 against Dallas, 29 against the Bucks, 15 in a very weird game against the Thunder, and then 19 against the Cleveland Cavaliers and 17 against the New York Knicks. I would say Bucks, Cleveland Cavaliers, Knicks covered in all three games, and those matchups are way, way, way worse than the one he has tonight. He's playing at Destroyed Pistons. We bet over guys against the Pistons that are driving to the rim and getting to the foul line. Maturin is one of the highest drivers in the league, getting to the line huge rate. When he doesn't get to the line seven, six to seven times a game, it's a huge surprise because he's just drive heavy. So I expect Big game for, for Benedict Maturin. They shut down half the roster. So for this game, I think it will be Jalen Smith out, TJ McConnell out, Duarte is already out, Halliburton is out, Miles Turner won't play. So I think it will be 40, 35 for more minutes for Benedict Maturin and him getting down to the line and just scoring. And Pistons defense is non-existent. They don't even try there. Marvin Bagley is probably back, and that should even weaken their defense. And yeah, I don't see anyone who can just stop Madurin. He just needs to be aggressive, and he was aggressive in 95% of the games. If he gets one game and he just doesn't want to shoot, we can't do anything, but this is a perfect spot for him. Huge minutes. They want to give the ball to him and let him cook. Didn't say that tonight and need to say it in order for us to win. So that part is great. Part of the AJ and Ivy, probably the most improved player over the last over the last month of the season. I just can't get enough of Jaden Ivy. How how unbelievable he is lately. I watched the last couple of games and I was just going back and just filming and sending to my friends to just show them how unbelievable moves of Jaden Ivy were. He is just uh, great lately. He was great lately. I think if you take a look at the last seven games, he averaged 23 points, five rebounds, eight assists on like 48% from the field, 40% from the three, getting to the line. He's doing a bit of everything. So in such great control, running the pick and roll. And Pacers defense will allow them to score 120 points or more. 
and Jaden Ivey will run the offense. He will have players. Pacers will get lost on defense, and he will have like at least five assists directly to Wiseman, Durant, and Begley layups or dunks inside. Maybe even some transition dump offs because he's so quick. So I think Ivy could even get to ten assists tonight. All right, so great stuff there on the second official play. Uh, long show. Appreciate you guys sticking out. Here is our schedule for next week. So we have normal pick and roll live streams on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, Tuesday will be the seven versus eight seeds. Wednesday will be the nine versus ten seeds in the playing game, and the Friday will be the uh, the loser of seven eight versus winner of nine ten. So some great games over there with some more lineup certainty as well here, as Sean puts it in the chat here, which is great to see. On Thursday, we'll be doing videos. It won't be live, but me and Pitts will be doing a video for the Eastern Conference playoff preview, and we'll be doing a video for the Western Conference playoff preview. But uh, that is it for the regular season. That is uh, the regular season in the books for the pick and roll live stream. Uh, it's been, as we looked at earlier, a phenomenal season of bets, and we have Pips to thank for that. So we appreciate Pips for putting the work every weekday morning to get the get the picks in. And um, so Felipe in chat, Sean Glenn in chat, Aaron Campbell in chat, uh, shout us out as well. So we appreciate that. We appreciate you guys. You're enabling us to do this content like this every weekday supporting us uh i've had a lot of fun i imagine pips has had a good time doing this show as well but there is a lot more content on the way as we said for the playoffs so get subscribed to the board youtube channel follow us on twitter stay up to date at the board hq rate and review five stars you're listening in podcast and uh, the easiest thing hit that like button so we can get on some more recommended pages and people can lock in these two official plays for today's slate uh, here is the recap, and we gave this one out about 40 minutes ago now, but the first official play was Simi Halek 3 plus 3s, Alperen Shengun 12 plus points for minus 110 odds at BetMGM. Second play, we just gave out Jaden Ivey over 5.5 assists, and Ben Matherin over 16.5 points for minus 110 at DraftKings. Pips, I'll give you the final words for our regular season here before we sign off for the week. Yeah, I think... With result-wise, great season so far. I enjoyed the show. I'm glad we got over 1,000 subscribers. I appreciate everyone for watching us. For I know there are like 50 people that watch every time, that message me every time, that support from the beginning. Some people are the, the ones that I know for like two years ago when I started and everyone was everyone was supportive from the start and I just want to say that I appreciate everyone and we'll try to do our best for the rest of the season to the playoffs and yeah I just think hope we can remain on the same pace with those winnings for the remainder of the season and I think we will be in some spots that we can do it and yeah that's it Awesome stuff. Very well said here. And yeah, shout out to the people. I remember so some people who've been in the chat today who I recognize from like the first show, so the first week. So that is amazing to see. All right, guys, we'll be back on Tuesday. We're going to take Monday off. Happy Easter to everybody who celebrates. But uh, we hope to see you on Tuesday. And uh, we hope to catch these two picks tonight. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. 